If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Mike, and uh, we are glad that you are here today. And uh, um, I, I definitely appreciate those Sundays when David's here, because then it doesn't look quite so much like I'm doing everything. And so, um, but uh, we are glad that you are here today and are, are worshiping with us uh, as summer begins to wind down, as as we begin to make our way into to fall and and school getting back in, uh, it, it'll be good to kind of get back into our regular routine of things. And since since Easter, uh, we've been through going through this series called Go Big. And so uh, we took 16 weeks and we walked through much of the book of Acts and we looked at six, uh, eight different characteristics. Characteristics are, are, are seen and have been tested and shown to be in every. Uh, 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 Vibrant, growing, healthy church. That's what we want to be, right? We want to be a church that, that is, is healthy, that is growing, that is vibrant, that is a place where, where lives are being changed, where, where people are, are coming to know Jesus, where we are growing spiritually and we're growing closer together and we're impacting our community. And so we, we've looked at those and, and uh, um, you know, the, 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 we had ones like effective leader, uh, empowering leadership. Uh, need-oriented evangelism, holistic small groups, uh, loving relationships, passionate spirituality. Uh, effective structures. Uh, there's two others that I'm probably going to miss. This, but uh, uh, the, we, we see these uh, evidence in our church. Uh, a different value. We see these in, in, in any different church you go to. You, you'll see, uh, if you're there long enough, you'll see how these things play out in, in, in helping the church grow and be vibrant and, and healthy. And so here in a few weeks, many of you will be asked to participate in a survey, to, to participate in, uh, we're going to look at, we're going to have some questions that we're going to answer, we're going to answer them honestly, we're going to answer them, not, not how we want to be as a church, but how we see ourselves actually as a church. And it will reveal to us uh, which uh, of these eight uh, characteristics, which ones we're doing well at, which ones we're doing, we're doing a, a good job in. Yeah, and, and, and some of us may see certain things differently than others, and so you know, some of us may score certain areas higher than others. And, and but at the same time, as, as we begin to put all these uh, things together, we're going to reveal: Hey, what are those areas that we need to work on? What are those areas where we are, um, where we've got some work, so that we can be healthier, so we can be more effective in ministry? And so, there's going to be some hard work in the days ahead. So some, some, some hard work that we're going to have to, to, to look at and, and, and participate in so that we can grow as a church, so we can be a healthy congregation. <clears throat> so as, as we think about that, as we think about um, what that might look like, does anyone remember a, a, a TV show from the late 80s, early 90s, American Gladiator? You remember American Gladiator? You, you had like these ordinary Joes that were, were, were kind of, uh, you know, maybe they were weekend warriors and, and they would go up against these uh, men and women who were just like ripped and, and wearing a whole lot of spandex. And, and they would uh, do different things. Like there's the joust and so they'd be staying on these platforms and, and they would just be getting wailed on. And they're trying to get shot. They're trying to knock the, the, the gladiator off, but the gladiator like almost always won. Did, did, do you remember uh, the, the gauntlet? You know, you had you know, this, this gladiator. He was up there, and he had essentially like a Gatling gun of tennis balls that he, would, that he or she would fire down. And it was, it, it, that, that gun was like souped up, and it was like flying. And, and, and you'd see uh, these, uh, these contestants running around like scared mice. 
right? And they're trying to get from, from you know, behind this and, and trying to shoot and hit this bullseye uh, above uh, the, uh, the, the gladiator. And, uh, and, and as they would, they do say, they'd, they'd run back and forth and then they would shoot this and they would try to get to the end and they would almost always, almost always get drilled. And you'd see them like running across and then they like take it like, like that thing's coming a lot harder than I thought it was. And then, you know, um, but they would, they would compete in this event. They would compete in, in, in all these games. Have you ever been to an obstacle, obstacle course? Maybe it was gym class. Maybe it was a team building exercise at work. Maybe it was uh, uh, something you guys did for fun. Maybe it was like a, a, a corn maze or, or some sort of thing where you had to, uh, to get through this, uh, the, this course to get to the other side, to be successful, to get over an obstacle so you could succeed. Maybe for some of us, the obstacle isn't a, a course thing that we put ourselves through uh, intentionally. Maybe it's something that's kind of just a part of us something that we face daily. Maybe yours is a learning disability. Maybe there's an addiction. Maybe there's some sort of nemesis. Some sort of, maybe it's a, a subject at school. Maybe it's a person at school. Maybe it's uh, someone at work. Maybe it's uh, uh, just, there's, there's this thing ahead of you that, that always comes around. Maybe it's a certain time of year. Maybe it's a certain thing. And when, you know whenever it comes, you just get this pit in your stomach. And you're like, if I, if I could just get past this. If there's just a way that could uh, navigate this problem, this issue, this situation, life would be better. And so how do we face obstacles? How do we face obstacles that come our way? Do we duck and run? Do we just run the other way? We see it coming, we're just, just going to avoid it. Avoid it at all costs. Maybe for some of us, we hit it head on, right? You know, we, we kind of like take the stance that, you know, offensive lineman or defensive lineman, and we get down, maybe we're like a, you know, a, a sprinter in track, and we're, we're down, and, we're, and when the gun sounds, we're ready to just hit the thing head on. Or maybe we try to look for a shortcut. We look for the way around it. We try to avoid it, but we, we're, we're trying to still go ahead, but try to get around and try to dance around the situation. I think it all depends. I, I think our view of God is revealed by how we view the obstacles around us. And I think what we need, as we look at how we view obstacles in our life, we need to view them as an opportunity for us to trust in God. We need to look at obstacles in our life as an opportunity for us to trust in God. And so whether it's for us personally, in our day-to-day life, and you know, as we go out today, as we leave and as we encounter Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, what obstacles are placed in front of us? We need to see those daily obstacles as an opportunity for us to trust in God. And then as we go through this next year, as we begin to uh, process what we need to do as a church to be growing and healthy and vibrant and uh, being able to impact our community, we need to see the obstacles that are in front of us as an opportunity for us as a church body to trust in God. And so if you would, today we're going to look at uh, an event, a story, uh, something that happened back in uh, the book of Numbers. Numbers is one of the first books of, your, of the Bible. And so if you have your Bible with us, you can, or if, you, if not, you can uh, borrow one there in the pew. And it's going to be one of those first books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. It's the fourth one. And you're like, Mike, I'm not a numbers guy. I don't want to be. And, and Numbers does have a lot of numbers in it. It's, 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 proper, it's a properly named book. They took its census in there and... Uh, and you see uh, the number of 
of, of Israelites who've come out of Egypt. And so uh, if just to kind of catch you up on the story of the of Israelites, they went to Egypt uh, and, and were there for 400 years. Some of the time they were slaves to Pharaoh, and so they built uh, they built many of the pyramids that we see today. Uh, they, they, they were there, they were uh, doing things for the Pharaoh, they were uh, in slavery. And they began to call out to God for, for help because as time went along, they were more and more and more mistreated. And so God comes in, he brings Moses, Moses, uh, he sends Moses back to Egypt, and he, bring, he, say, he has him go to Pharaoh and say, let my people Go, you know. So we have Charlton Heston up there saying, "Let my people go," and and which is funny because uh, you read Exodus three and and Moses is like, "Hey, I don't speak very well." And then you have uh, Charlton Heston who's very very eloquent. Let my people go. It's like that's not the Moses that we see in Exodus. You know, I think the, Exodus, the Moses we see in Exodus three is a little more Jimmy Stewart. Um, yeah, right. And so he's like stuttering and stammering along. Uh, but yeah, that's another story for another time. So God uses, uses Moses. He, they leave uh, Egypt. They go through the Red Sea. Remember Red Sea parts. They march on through. They go to Mount Sinai. God meets with them there. God has Moses go up on the mountain. He gets the Ten Commandments and all the laws that they will then follow. And these are the laws of the people that are of my community, of my, of my nation. And they go on from there. They begin to make their way to the promised land. This, the, the, this trek, this venture from Egypt to the promised land should only take a few weeks. And so they get their way, they, they make their way there to the promised land. And they think, hey, before we go in, we should send some people in to check out the land, to figure out what, what is the land like, or where, where are the, uh, the, the, the world affinity areas, where is this? And so uh, they, this is the report of the spies. They send, uh, they pick one person from each of the 12 tribes and they send them into the land. And for 40 days, they go through the land and they check everything out and they come back. And they give this report. In Numbers uh, chapter 13, uh, starting with verse 25. So they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh at the desert of Paran. And there they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. And here, it, here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and the Amorites, and all the other Hittite brothers live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. And Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who'd gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they, are spread, spread, and, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim, there, the, the descendants of Anak that come from the Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same. To them. These 12 men had gone into the land, the land that God would give them, the land that, that God was going to, uh, to, had told Abraham long, long ago, your descendants will walk on this land. This will be their inheritance. This will be their country. This will be their home. How they had forgotten. And as they 
left, as they went to Egypt, as they came back, they forgot that promise to Abraham. They forgot the promise. As they went through the land, they saw its bounty. They saw its strength. They saw its beauty. They said, yes, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. There, look at this fruit. They, had, they brought back a cluster of grapes that had to be carried on a stick between two men. Can you imagine the size of those grapes? The amount of grapes. I'm like, it, it sounds like grapes you'd have to use a knife to cut, right? It's this huge, huge uh, cluster of grapes that they brought back. They brought back other fruits. They brought back, and they, they, they gave this report. And on one hand, it's like, it is amazing. God made an amazing land for us to go to. But we don't want to go there. It's like, why do we not want to go there? Well, it reveals the first truth that we want to reveal today, that there are still giants in the land. There are giants in the land. There are obstacles ahead of them. They said, yeah, the land is beautiful. It is bountiful, but the people are huge and their cities are strong and large and fortified. And frankly, we can't do it because the people are too big. The people are too big. They are way too great for us. And sometimes our eyes deceive us. Have you noticed that? Sometimes our eyes deceive us. Sometimes what we see, uh, sometimes we don't see things as we ought. We see, the, oh yeah, yeah, we see this, this, this large thing, this, this huge task before us, but, 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 but we're, there, there's no way I can do that. And sometimes we, we see what's ahead of us and we think we have to take care of it all by ourselves. It becomes too large, too tough, too high, too big. And when the giants and the obstacles got in our way, they, they said, can't do it. You see, but they, they began to look at the size of themselves and the amount of skill that they had, and they forgot to see the size of their God. Ten spies, all they could see was what was in front of them. All they could see was the giants. All they could see was the fortified cities and not what God was able to do. And how often do we do the same thing? How often do we look at our circumstances? We don't see that God is greater than our circumstances. How often do we see the things the way they are around us and give no thought how great God is and how he might act in that situation for us? They looked and they said, hey, the Amalekites live there, the, the, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the, even the, the descendants of Anak, the, the Nephilim, that, that are just these huge giants of people. Like, all these people live there, and they live in these huge cities. And we can't do it because the giants are just too big. And what giants do we face? What giants do we face? Maybe we, we face the giant of consumerism. Sometimes people treat the church as if it's, the church is there just to meet their needs, to meet their wants. The, 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 hey, the, 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 the church is supposed to be like this. It's supposed to do these things for me. And so we begin to, to, to rate churches and play churches against each other. And they well, well, this church is no longer meeting my needs. So I'm going to go to this place because it might meet my needs better. And we begin to treat church as a commodity, something that we buy and trade and sell. Something that's there just for us. Maybe we face the giant of spiritualism. People will often say, I- I'm, I'm spiritual, but 
but I don't need God. I'm spiritual, but, 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 but in, in their life, they have no anchor. They have no foundation. They have no tie to truth. And so it's feeding the spiritual side of us because we are all spiritual beings, but they have no anchor. And so they begin, it's, it's much more like a buffet. Their buffets are, are good for, for some things, right? For getting a little sample of everything. But no one goes, man, that buffet has the best food ever, right? Yeah. Hey, that buffet has the best steak. No, it doesn't. Yeah. There, there, there are steakhouses that are far. Yeah. But if you're like, hey, I want a little bit of steak, and I want a little bit of fish, I want a little bit of this, and a little bit of that, yeah, go to a buffet. You know, if you're not sure which kind of pizza you want to get, go to CeCe's. CeCe's will have like every kind of pizza available. But if you want good pizza, don't go to CeCe's. CeCe's was great in college because uh, on Sunday night at our, our school, the, the, the cafeteria was not open. And, you know, and, and so we had to go and, and, and find dinner. But so CeCe's was great because you go there and you get all the pizza you wanted and a Coke for like five bucks. It wasn't good pizza, but you got full. And you're like, hey, that, you know, that way if I sleep in and I miss breakfast on Monday morning, at least I had a big dinner, right? And so, and so that's how people treat spiritualism, right? That's how people treat their spirituality. I'm going to take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but it's not tied or anchored to the truth. Maybe we face the, 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 the giant of, of materialism. We want to acquire things and, and get things and have more things, and we compete with the, those who are around us because we want the newest, coolest thing that's around. But in reality, all these things that we ga- gather, at some point, will make their way to a landfill and burn. Maybe we face a giant of individualism. We're all about looking out for number one, looking out for me, looking out for what's most important to us. When we, live our, when we live totally for ourselves, we miss out on the power of relationships. Maybe we face a giant of addictions. Drugs, alcohol, gambling, TV, screens, our phones, our work. We, we, we put ourselves, we, we pour so much of ourselves into these things that we don't have room or time or space in our life for God to work and breathe. When we think about a growing church, a lot of times we think about what's going on Sunday morning. This is our most attended function of our week. And, and so sometimes we can play the consumer game, uh, consumerism, materialism game as a, as a church. And how can the church compete with Hollywood? I mean, we can't. I mean, we don't have all the lights. We don't have all the haze. We don't have all the fancy gizmos, fancy this and that. But there's one thing that we have that is greater than Hollywood. And we have a better story to tell. We have a better story to tell. We just need to learn to tell our story better. The story of the gospel, the story of how God saved us from our sins and restores us to new life is the greatest story ever told. Sometimes we tell it like it's old and boring. But in a fresh and new way, we need to let God do his work in us so we can begin to defeat the giants in the land around us. The second truth we see in this story is that there are still dissenters in the camp. There are still dissenters in the camp. These men, they went and they saw this land of great bounty. This land that God told them long ago would be their land. This is the promised land. This is our home. This is our inheritance. And they're like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Maybe you 
remember a song from church growing up. If, if you went to Sunday school and they said we, they had these nice, clever songs that they would tell us to help you remind, remember uh, uh, certain stories in the Bible. Do you remember the ten men went to spy, uh, twelve men went to spy on Canaan? Ten were bad and two were good. Took me the longest time to figure out all the hand things because I wasn't gifted like that. The ten men were bad and two were good. What did they see when they spied on Canaan? Ten were bad and two were good. Some saw giants big and tall. Some saw grapes and clusters fall. Right? Some saw God ruled over all. Ten were bad and two were good. They're dissenters. They saw all, they, they, they saw all the same stuff. They saw, they, 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 they probably you know, ate some of those grapes on the way back to help lighten the load. They, they, they enjoyed what the, the, the land provided. And like, man, this land is amazing. But it scares us. It scares us. Not all enemies are outside the camp. Not all enemies are outside the walls. Sometimes the enemies are on the inside. Sometimes the problems are on the inside. Sometimes our greatest fears, our greatest enemies are those inside. And the men went and they saw all that they saw and they saw all its greatness and all its bounty and they said, we can't attack those people because they are bigger than us. And some of our biggest enemies in the camp come in the form of sin. These men, they'll pray to the sin of fear. We can't do that. We are so small and they are so huge. We can't possibly do it. We can't possibly go there. We can't possibly attack them. We can't do it because we are, and so they're afraid. They're afraid of what might happen. When we begin to be driven by a fear of man, we have lost. Sometimes there's a sin of selfishness. It's not, it's not what I want. That's not what, it's not what I want. And sometimes we need to remember, especially when it comes to church, that's not necessarily about what we want, but it's what is best for God and for the kingdom. That's not about our own little church, but the church as a whole. That what, what we do is, is, is our little outpost of the kingdom of God what can we bring to God's kingdom that will help the entire kingdom? Not just what's best for us, but what will help others find and know Jesus. Here's a simple truth that we talked about, we've talked about over the last few weeks, and we're going to be talking, looking at it in different ways in the weeks ahead, is that leaders lead. What kind of leader you are will determine your direction. Ten ten of these guys were reactionary. All they saw was what their eyes could see. And they saw fortified cities. They saw giants. They saw all this stuff. And they can't do it. We can't do it. They said, "We, we, we explored the land, and that land devours those living in it. And all the people there are giants. They're of great size. Maybe you've heard, the Nephilim still live there? Yeah, they're, 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 they're big people. And we looked like grasshoppers to them. And they saw us and saw the same. These, the, the, the ten spies, were stuck in the past, and they lacked faith. <clears throat> but Joshua and Caleb, 
the two good spies. They saw it and went, our God's so big, these guys don't stand a chance. Yeah, yeah, on our own, we can't do it. But you forget that we have God on our side. And we need more Joshua's and Caleb's, kind of people who stand in faith to help lead the church forward. Moses had led them out of Egypt. He led them through the Red Sea, across the Sinai, to the promised land. And all they had to do was walk in and trust God. And the people didn't trust God, and the leaders didn't trust God to lead them to their new home. Long ago, God said, this land will be your land. They still didn't, still didn't believe. The people didn't trust God. This was the land that God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had forgotten their story. And when we forget our story, the giants look bigger and the dissenters get louder. But our story is the gospel. The story that saves lives. The story that, that, that renews marriages. The story that, that re- re- restores life. It restores us to relationship with God. And no matter how good the land was or how great the produce was, they couldn't see past the giants. And sometimes in our life, we have to trust that our God is bigger than the giants in front of us. No matter how good the land was or how good the produce was, all they could see was that they appeared like grasshoppers in their eyes. And it seemed they probably talked a lot like Eeyore. Oh, bother. They are so big. We are so small. Can't do it. They're so big and we're so small. They're giants and we are grasshoppers. And sometimes the dissenters, sometimes the enemies are the ones that are, the greatest enemies are the ones that are inside the camp. The final truth I want us to see, that God will fight or his people. See, God had not forgotten his, his promise. God had not forgotten that he had promised this land to Abraham and his children long ago. He's like, you guys are here. You saw the land. You saw that I provide you a phenomenal home. You're going to love it. Let's go get it. And the 10 guys are like, no. And everybody began to bail. This was supposed to be their inheritance, that God had, had provided this land for his people. And as there, there's this, you can almost hear this murmuring, this, this, this bickering, this, there's this rumble in the crowd. Oh my goodness, there's giants and there's big cities. And Caleb was like, shh, shh, shh. He silences the people. And what's he say? We should go up and take possession. For we can certainly do it. Is he thinking that they can do it? No. He's trusting that God through them will run the people out, that God through them will conquer the land, that God through them will take possession of what God wanted to give them. Just a few verses later, Caleb will say, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will give us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people because we will devour them. Their protection is gone because the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid 
of them. God still wants to fight for his people. To help them take new land. To help them overcome the giants and the obstacles in their life. Caleb and Joshua saw the same people. He saw, they saw the same places and the same things. But the difference was Joshua and Caleb saw the promise of God. And they trusted in the power of God. That he is the only king forever. That he is the one who will defeat them. And all they have to do is say yes. All they have to do is walk into the promise that God had already given them. And that can be dangerous. There's some churches like, hey, you're just going to trust in the promise. And they go and, and, and so we have to be cautious because not all promises that we read in the Bible are our promises. Some of those promises are for the people then. Yeah, God is not giving us land. Okay. But God has promised that he will be with us to defeat the giants in our life. He, he, he's not going to promise that if we do everything right, that we are going to see millions and millions of dollars in our bank account. But he has promised if we walk with him, we will not be alone when we face the storms of life. That he will be with us to conquer those giants. That he will help us to grow and develop, to pursue. As we pursue him, he will work in step with us. Those 10 spies, well, they won the day. And God was not pleased. They, they decided a little bit later, oh, maybe we, we will go up and take the land. And, and God was not with them, and they got destroyed. So God made them wander around the desert for 40 years. And of all those who went into the land to spy on the land, only two ever got to live there. Joshua and Caleb. Caleb was like 85 years old when he uh, went into the promised land. And when it was, the land was being sorted out, uh, Caleb was like, give me this portion right here. And I'm going to go clear it myself. And by clear it, he didn't mean I'm going to go knock down some trees so I can build me a nice house. What he meant was, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to run the people out so I can have my land. 85 years old. That's like Wayne Lafferty going into war and just, like, just running people out. 85 years old, was still trusting in God because God is bigger than our enemies and God will still fight for his people. The question for us is, which voice are we going to listen to? Are we going to listen to the dissenters? Are we going to just see what our eyes will see? Or will we trust in God knowing that he longs to provide for his children? We hear that still small voice of God saying, trust me, follow me. We see the size of our giants and walk in defeated. Here's my challenge for you this week. To begin to see obstacles as a way for God to strengthen your faith. To begin to see the obstacles in your life as a way for God to strengthen your faith. Sometimes we see an obstacle and we're just like, it's too big. Can't do it. Not able. But really what that obstacle is, is an opportunity for us to grow. An opportunity for us to trust just a little bit more. To trust that our God is bigger than anything we're going to face this week. Anything we're going to face this month. Anything we're going to face this year. Anything you might face in the rest of your life. Our God is bigger. So what giants stand before you? What obstacles are in your path? 
And how are you going to respond to them this week? Are we going to run? Are we going to trust God? Are we going to use these opportunities to strengthen our faith? Are we going to use these opportunities to draw closer to God as opportunities to strengthen our prayers? An opportunity to maybe strengthen our relationships with others. Maybe we can't do it by ourselves, but maybe if we have the strength of a friend to walk through that obstacle, maybe having someone with us, maybe God has put that friend in your life at this moment for this time to get through whatever storm you're going through. We use these opportunities as a place to put our faith into action. In the end, the question is, will we stand with the 10, the 10 dissenters who couldn't see God's promise because of the giants? Or we stand with the Joshua's and the Caleb's who saw God fulfilling his promise in their time. Maybe today is the day you need to put your faith in God. Maybe today is the day you need to put your faith and trust in God, that he is the one that you need to respond to the gospel, that God, that my greatest giant in my life right now is, is my sin. And I need you as my savior. And so maybe if you need to talk to someone about uh, taking the next step of, in your faith today, I'll be staying in the back after the service and we can, uh, we can chat and we can talk about what, what, whatever that next step is for you. Maybe it's, it's choosing Jesus as your savior, being baptized in him. Maybe it's, it's learning to grow and to walk with him each day. Maybe like, I don't want to talk, but I didn't need to tell someone the decision I need to make today. Maybe you're at home and you make a decision, let us know. You can use the connection card at cchmd.com connect. And there uh, on that page, you can uh, click, check whatever box <coughs> best describes your next step today. Maybe you just want to tell us uh, where you're viewing us from today, where, where you're joining us from today. You can fill out the connection card too. We'd, we'd love uh, just to kind of stay connected with, with, with each and every one of you. As we face this week, as we face the different giants in our life, may we learn to trust God and see those obstacles as an opportunity to grow in our faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you love us and you care for us. That you are greater than all that is around us. Father, I pray that you would help us this week to lean into you to trust your promise that you will fight for your people. So, Father, I pray that you will work in us and through us to glorify yourself and make your name great, that we might stand as a testimony of, your, of how you work and how you stand and how you fight for your people. Father, may we see the giants around us not as, as great obstacles, there's a way that you're going to provide for us. Father, thank you for loving us. We thank you so much for Jesus. And his name I pray. Amen.